change around my team, yeah, we off the leash. You can look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we drop, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to Podski Wee Wee. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Mike, we got to kick things off this week. There's a ton of news to talk about, obviously. Uh, Delvin Bro's retirement, CJ Gable's retirement. We still got to get into all this XFL stuff, which just doesn't seem to be going away. But to start things off, we have to talk about something that you did. You got a little heat on Twitter this week for uh, a controversial food take. This is something, I, I don't know how this became a thing. I don't know why it became a thing, but it seems like in the offseason, CFL Twitter turns into food Twitter and everyone just wants to talk about what foods are good and what people should and shouldn't eat and how you like certain things. And you kind of threw out a, a, a mic bomb out there and kind of just crafting everyone's cereal with, with this take here. What, what, did, what did you do that got you so much heat? Well, I've been hearing all this hype about Hawkins cheesies over over the years. More more so since I moved out to the to the west, um, you know, to Alberta. But uh, I tried them for the first time the other night uh, or the other week, and uh, the first couple were were pretty good, I must admit. But then after that, it was just you know left a bad aftertaste in my mouth, and I came to the conclusion that Hawkins cheesies are not that good. Yeah, and uh, this this made a lot of people mad. That was not my intention, or maybe it was. Who knows? <laughs> it and, was. Let's uh, see, let's be honest. You, like a good heel, you wanted to get some heat. Yeah, I knew that this would uh, cause a little bit of a stir, and uh, that's exactly what happened. I actually thought the one person said they were going to block me, and then I thought they actually did. Um, <laughs> it turned out they didn't, but uh, I thought that was pretty hilarious that someone might block me because they don't like Hawkins cheesies. But I guess they're they're a Canadian institution, and just like the CFL. And uh, some people don't like the CFL, and I don't like Hawkins cheesies. I'm going to reveal something here. It's just between me and you. I've never had Hawkins cheesies. Mm-hmm. I've never tried them. Uh, I'm not a big cheesy person. I don't eat cheesies. I, I go for chips. I'm, I'm a sour cream and onion ruffles guy. I like Cool Ranch Doritos. I mean, I like almost any kind of Dorito, to be honest with you. I think it's back from my teenage years of maybe indulging in a little bit of uh, – what what the older generation might call left hand cigarettes or some of the uh, some of the sticky icky if you will, uh, and then you know you get a little of that in you and all of a sudden you know the stereotypes kick in. I'm drinking yes. Mountain Dew and eating yeah. bags of Doritos. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've never really been a big cheesies guy. So like when you sent this out, I was kind of like I, I knew it would get you heat because I know I've seen Hawkins cheesies among CFL fans. I was like, oh man, Mike's going to take a beating here. Yeah. But I wouldn't be a good tag team partner if I didn't take some of that heat from you, buddy. Uh, butter tarts are a big thing among CFL fans. And I, I tend to not wade into those waters. It's usually like, do you like them with raisins or pecans or whatever the hell? I think they're gross. I think butter tarts taste like dead feet. I, I cannot 
dead feet. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. It's a, it's a corpse. Worse than alive feet. Not even no, a dirty dead foot. I <laughs> do not like them. I think I've had one or two in my entire life and have not enjoyed them. The other thing is pineapple on pizza. I've had pineapple on pizza. I've had a Hawaiian pizza. It's fine. It's it's inoffensive to me. I don't I don't go out of my my way to order one. But if if I'm we have pizza at work or if I'm somewhere and all we have is Hawaiian pizza, I'm not going to turn it down. Pizza's pizza. Get whatever you want on your pizza. pizza I don't care. Pizza. pizza is not pizza. Okay. Pizza is not pizza. Okay. There's a, so many different pizzas. Pizza is not pizza. Yeah, but I but I don't care what's on it. As long as you don't put something weird on it, like you don't put like slugs or something, I'm going to probably eat it. I, it's, it anchovies. It's, I've never had anchovies on a pizza, so I mean, yeah, I probably know. would. Why not? Yeah. I'm I'm I, I like to fashion myself a little bit of an adventurous eater, and I'll and I'll try almost anything once. Yeah, sure. I'm a picky pizza. I'm, I'm not very picky. Pizza. I'm not a very. I, I I am a picky eater in certain ways, but in in a lot of ways, if someone's like. Let's try this. I'm like, ah, oh, let's go. You know what? Let's let's try. What's the worst that can happen? I don't like it. I don't like it. Great. Move on to the next thing. Fair enough. So Fair you don't enough. like Hawkins yeah. cheesies. I don't like butter tarts. I don't give a damn about pineapple on pizza. Man, we're just we're, we're the biggest heels in the podcast, CFL podcasting business, aren't we? We are, and I will say that there was, you know, in smaller numbers, but there was a, quite a few people that were like, yeah, I agree with you, man. Hawkins cheesies are. Overrated. A lot of them were like, yeah, they're too salty. They just taste like salt. So, um, you know, there's more defenders of the Hawkins cheesies out there, but there is some detractors as well. All right. You know what? I might have to, between now and the next episode, find myself a bag and give them a go. And, uh, again, as someone who's not a real big cheesy eater, maybe I can have a, a different take or maybe I can uh, corroborate your uh, what you feel about it and we can uh, we can take all the heat together like, uh, like a good tag team would. I, I help you, you help me. We're a modern-day heart foundation, Mike. We're the Heat yes. Foundation, the Hawkins yes. Cheesies Heat oh. Foundation. I like it. I All like right. it. Let's move on to some CFL news, and we'll start with the Ticats, and we'll start with, unfortunately, a slew of retirements that happened since we last uh, sat down and talked to one another. And the biggest one, obviously, was the, I think, shocking announcement that Delvin Bro has decided to hang up the cleats after eight years in professional football. He obviously spent four seasons with the Ticats, uh, 2013, 2014, 2018, 2019. And in between that, sandwiched in three years with the NFL's New Orleans Saints. Bro's career to me, Mike, and I'm sure you feel the same way, is kind of a remarkable story. I think most people who listen to this, especially if you're a Ticat fan, will know his story that he broke his neck in high school and was lucky to even be alive. Never played college football, even though he did get a scholarship to LSU before his neck injury, but he never actually played there. Then he kind of got cleared to play, and I think he played in like the indoor football, played some like semi-pro football, and then he was in a camp, a free agent camp with the Ticats, and they signed him in 2013, and he came up here obviously as a completely unknown player, and then sort of burst onto the scene and became one of the league's best defensive backs almost overnight, played two all-star stellar seasons with the Ticats in 2013-2014, getting to the Grey Cup both years, obviously, and then parlayed that into an opportunity down south where, unfortunately, injuries kind of ended his run in the NFL where I think we all, CFL and Ticat fans, like everybody kind of thought, oh, once he went to the NFL, like that was it. That was that was a done deal. He was NFL caliber, and I think if he didn't suffer, I think it was he was misdiagnosed as a, like he had a leg contusion, but he was actually a broken leg and it was misdiagnosed by the New Orleans Saints doctors and kind of cost him his opportunity to play down there. But 
the NFL's loss was the CFL and the Ticats gain. He comes back up to the CFL with the Ticats in 2018, plays another stellar two seasons with the Cats, helps him get back to the Grey Cup in 2019. All told, man, three-time division all-star, two-time league all-star, and despite only playing four seasons in the CFL, was named to the first-team all-decade team last year. I'm not sure if Delvin Bro will end up in the Hall of Fame because his career was so short in Canada, but it sure feels like he probably should, right? Like that's a that's just an excellent, excellent career, even though he only played four seasons. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer in our eyes, so I mean that's all that matters, right? That's all that matters <laughs> to Delvin. Um, but yeah, he's he's definitely a. I mean, you're right. You don't know if he's going to get in, but uh, you know he's he was the best cornerback in the league pretty much every year he played. Perhaps, maybe not last year, but uh, for those three years, man, I mean, no one threw at him. You just look at his stats, and you're like, it shows nothing. I mean, he had two interceptions over four years, two touchdowns. So maybe he got, maybe both those interceptions were turned into touchdowns. I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, the stats don't really show the story of Delvin Bro. The guy just wasn't thrown at because teams were scared of him. He shut down the best receivers in the league for years. Um, I remember seeing Deron Carter tweet yep. out that, you know, no, no cornerback or no DB has ever shut me down. Well, that's incorrect because Delvin bro shut your ass down many times. I remember. So I'd like to talk about sort of memories of bro, like standout memories. I have two in mind and actually you bring up Deron Carter reminded me of a third, uh, the 2014 East final. He actually had an interception in that game. And I remember that pick, but I also remember him absolutely riding Deron Carter out of bounds and the Owls threw a challenge flag and it was accepted as pass interference. I, to this day, still don't agree with that call. I know it's seven years ago, but I've watched the 2014 East final relatively recently. Just, you know, you're bored. You, I mean, how many, how many times can you watch the office on Netflix or, or parks and recreation? So sometimes I'll, I'll delve into some old CFL games and just, you know, pick and choose where I watch. But I remember that he just, he, he does maul him a little bit, but I think it was just good defense. But I, I, I when you bring up the Duran Carter thing, I just remember that play from that 2014 East final where he just completely took him out of the play. And I don't remember Carter really having much of a much of a stat line in that game either. And then the other thing with Bro is that same season in the Grey Cup, he actually had an interception of Bo Levi Mitchell that was part of sort of the Ticats near turnaround. It was I think it was what 14-7 at halftime, and then I think Bro picks off. Uh, Bo Levi Mitchell and I think the Ticats I can't remember if they kicked a field goal to score. I don't remember how it ended up but I, I think it turned into some points for them there and it's it always just felt like bro when the the big moment came and it was it was on him he, he made the play and I I it is going to be a big hole for the Ticats to fill in their defense too don't you think yeah I think so a guy like that you know and I, I I'm I'm with you I was not expecting him to retire and I don't know if it had anything to do with the uh, recent proposal by the by the CFL to the players, but um, it seemed to me like on on Twitter that he was you know raring to go, you know he was ready to put on the pads for uh, this upcoming season. But um, you know, uh, a decision had to be made, and I guess he thought it was better for him to uh, move on to the next you know, the next stage of his life. And, uh, I wish him all the best, but yeah, it, 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 there is a hole to be filled now in the secondary for the Ticats. Who do you think might be the first one given the opportunity to fill that position? I think it was, uh, I heard, I saw something that Steve Milton was a Jamal role that was tweeted out about yeah. uh, maybe filling that position. So, I mean, if uncle Milty's tweeting it, uh, he's a, 
he's a favorite of mine in the you know covering the tie cats so i'll go i'll ride with him on that one yeah and they do have roll and frankie williams were playing that uh wide side corner position and then i think when bro got hurt roll flipped over and started playing uh where bro was playing so i i think that that is probably the way they're going to go especially at first and that i mean you're never going to replace delvin bro he like i said he was the despite playing four seasons in the cfl was voted the top boundary corner in the league over the last 10 years so Mm. replacing a guy like that is going to be tough but i still look at that secondary and it's still pretty darn formidable it's just not as formidable without delvin bro in the lineup uh is there any i i know you said it was hard to kind of come up with with plays or, or thoughts because he got so little action, but is there anything that stands out outside of the Duran Carter uh, thing where he's like, no DB can cover me. And you're like, Delvin bro, shut your ass down. Anything else that kind of stands out from his career that you remember? Not in particular, just the dominance, you yeah. know, and now bring up that, uh, that great cup interception. I remember it well now that I think of it. Um, so that would be a, a standout moment. You know, the great cup that uh, we almost won. It was, it was damn close and we, we all know about it, but uh I'm not sure if after that interception was the uh, the long pass to Speedy B for the touchdown. Oh, maybe it was. Because that was that was you know when that happened, I was like, all right, boys, maybe we got a shot here. So that that was a big momentum shift uh, that pick in that Grey Cup. Uh, all right, let's move on to another retirement and another favorite of ours, C.J. Gable, the former Tie Cat, announced his retirement this past week. Spent four and a half seasons with the Ticats and two and a half in Edmonton. Had two 1,000-yard rushing seasons, both in his final two seasons in Edmonton. Uh, he kind of burst on the scene with Bro in, in 2013. He had over 1,300 yards from scrimmage and 12 total touchdowns and was the East nominee for top rookie, but he lost the award to Brett Jones, a decision I think to this day was still the wrong one, quite frankly. I think Gable was the best rookie in the CFL that year. Um, we all know his time in Hamilton and kind of his time in the, in the CFL really was marred by injury, but here in Hamilton, especially and fans of this show will know, and you, I believe tweeted it out after Gable's retirement announcement. He never really lived up to what he could do because Ken Austin just refused to use the guy more. He was just a hell of a player. He did it all. He could catch, he could run. And the oddly, one of the more important things in the CFL game is being a blocker. He was one of the best in the business. Uh, he was a heck of a lot of fun to watch, and it's. Uh, I, I think we kind of knew he was leaning towards retirement, but he signs a one-day contract with the Ticats to announce his retirement. As a Ticat fan, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, C.J. Gable, when he burst on the scene, uh, it just made you excited. You know, we hadn't seen a really, really good running back in uh, quite a while. You know, there was little spurts of guys you know Cobb and 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 Javon Walker you know that made you a little excited but this was this guy was the real deal 2013 one of the uh one of the memories that I have CJ Gable is when they wore those uh I'm not sure what year it was but the year they played in Guelph when they wore those red yeah the Wildcats jerseys yeah exactly he made a crazy run it was like a spin and then jumped over a guy and you could just see the talent pouring through him and uh you know, it's kind of funny that, you know, his years in Edmonton were his best years statistically. But uh, if you watched him, he just he wasn't the same player that he was early on in, in his career. And it's just a shame that, uh, first of all, that he couldn't stay healthy for the years in Hamilton. And second of all, that Ken Austin never gave him the ball. I mean, if you look at his averages 
uh, when he was with the Tiger Cats. 2013, six yards per carry. Uh, 2014, 4.6 yards per carry. 2015, 6.2 yards per carry. Uh, and and in his last two years, 5.5 and 6.3. I mean, those are, are really good averages for a running back. And if he just would have got the ball more, he could have contributed a lot to this uh, Tiger Cats offense. Yeah, there's uh, there's going to be a lot more standout moments in my mind for C.D. Gable. Three come to mind right off the hop when I when I figured we'd format it this way. Labor Day 2016, he had a massive game, uh, 12 carries, 135 yards. I just remember a big run up the middle. That was the the, the epic comeback the Ticats had against the Argos, where I think Toronto was up like 27 to seven midway through the second quarter and Gable kind of put the team on his back with Zach Caleros and they they made this awesome comeback in what was one of the probably one of the definitely the standout game of the 2016 season and one of my favorite games that I've ever attended live just remember the crowd when the Ticats started making that comeback was just it was as loud as I'd ever been at a Ticats game that wasn't a playoff game um, there's his final, what we didn't know at the time, but what ended up being his final Ticats game, he had 18 carries for 157 yards and two touchdowns. And it's like, I think, I think if we go back to that game in 2017, which I also think was against the Argos actually, um, and listen to the, to the podcast we did right after that, you'd probably hear us be like, this is the CG Gable we want to see. And then I think, uh, a week or two later, he was dealt to Edmonton. That was the the season the Ticats were, they started 0-8, they weren't going to the playoffs. I think they... By this time, they had known they were going to be eliminated from the playoffs and wanted to get some some draft picks and stuff for some players. They traded John Chick. They traded uh, C.J. Gable. And I uh, just wanted to get those guys an opportunity, I think, to, to play somewhere else. And then I think the you brought up the Guelph, the Guelph season 2013 and, and the Wildcat uniform. I, the one play from that season that I remember was the TD catch on the drive in the 2013 East Semi. Um, Henry Burris underthrows a pass that, uh, in fairness to Burris, uh, was the, that game was super windy, and they were going in the direction where, if you recall from that game, uh, the Owls, I think it was Sean White was the kicker, booted a field goal that just like stopped a yard mm-hmm. and a half from the from the uprights and, and went backwards. So uh, it's not I say Burris underthrew it, but it was the, the win that day was just absolutely ridiculous. But uh, Gable snags it off the ground, he breaks a tackle by one Alouette defender, bounces off another, and scores a, the go ahead touchdown with less than two minutes left. The Owls would go down and get a field goal to tie the game, and then the Ticats win it overtime. But that was one of the best drives that I've ever seen from the Ticats, and Gable capped it off with what was an amazing catch and run. So there's gonna there, there's obviously a lot more, and I'm sure fans will be talking about C.J. Gable's time with the Ticats very glowingly, but those are the three that kind of stand out in my mind. Labor Day 2016, his last game in black and gold, and, and the touchdown catch in the 2013 East Semi. Yeah, it's, uh, he, was a, he was a fun player to watch, in his prime especially, and... Uh, it's too bad that he couldn't finish his career with Hamilton, but uh, you know that rarely happens these days with players. And and uh, yeah, I mean he could have he could have had um, better numbers um, if it wasn't for injuries and uh, Ken Austin's passing philosophy. So he finished his career with four thousand eight hundred and three yards, twenty eight touchdowns, a five point five yard average, um, in eighty five games played. So you know a pretty darn good career. Uh, I reluctant to say it's a hall of fame career but uh you know one of the best running backs we've ever seen put on the the uniform for the Ticats I would say I was gonna I say mean, over the last 20 some odd years you think second best to Troy Davis yeah yeah I'd, I'd say that yeah Troy Davis I you almost forget about Troy Davis because he was kind of um he played for some bad year. teams yeah played for some bad teams and it's kind of funny the the you know 
he got traded to Edmonton as well. Yep. Um, and did some good things for them. So, yeah, him and Troy uh, Troy Davis, and then uh, probably Williams is up there too. With uh, you know when he was with uh, the ninety eight ninety nine teams, he was he was a pretty good running back as well. Yeah, we've uh, we've been spoiled with a lot of running backs in short bursts. We haven't really seen a lot of guys like you brought up Cobb and Walker. Uh, we had Avon Coburn for a spell there. The Ticats always were seeming to churn out pretty decent running backs, but we didn't really see guys do it long term. I think CJ Gable is one of those guys that. Uh, I mean, there's going to be a lot of what-ifs based on injuries and his lack of usage, but he's one of those guys I think fans will remember for a very long time. But doesn't it make you feel start to feel a little old now that these guys that never played at Iverwind Stadium are retiring from football? It's, uh, it's a little weird to me to, to, to hear this. Like, guys that started in 2013, which feels like it was five minutes ago, are now out of the league. It's, uh, it's making, me, wow. making my body feel a little creakier than it normally does. Yeah, there's a lot of things that make me feel old these days, Josh. It's a lot of things. All right, let's talk about one last retirement. They say these things happen in threes. Adrian Tracy uh, announced his retirement this year or, or this past week. Uh, played five seasons, all with the Ticats. Uh, he was signed by the Montreal Alouettes, uh, I think, after the 2019 season, I believe, but obviously never played because there was no 2020 season. Uh, he was a 2020, 2010, sorry, 2010 draft pick by the New York Giants, and uh, one of the rare players that actually won a Super Bowl uh, when he won one with the Giants the following year in 2011. Uh, Adrian Tracy was a really good player, but I think the hype that happened with him, and I remember the Ticats used him in some marketing. I think it was either 2014 or 2015. He was all over their marketing around the city. It never He never really lived up to it, and I'm not sure if that's entirely his fault, but he never really became, I think, the star player that a lot of us, especially the Ticats themselves, envisioned he could be. Uh, injuries hampered him a lot, and it felt like any time he started to, to gain a little career momentum, something would happen where he would miss some time. But all in all, you, you know, 10 years of professional football, it's not, not really anything you can sneeze at, is it? No, that's a, that's a great accomplishment in itself to uh, be in pro football for that long. But, yeah, you're right. There was a lot of, you know, high uh, high expectations uh, for him. You know, we, we always thought that the sack total would be a little higher than what it was. And, that, you know, that's not everything for a defensive lineman. You know, there's a lot more that goes into it. But, uh, yeah, um, we always thought that he – and the whole defensive line in general when he was there. You know, we always thought that it was a stacked group and they never really lived up to our expectations. But uh, a very good player, and uh, I wish them the best in, in retirement as well. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, again, feels weird seeing these guys like Tracy's 33 and he's out of the game, and it's, uh, I don't know, it's weird to me. Uh, another guy who's unfortunately out of the game, Liram Hiralahu, was cut by the Carolina Panthers last month. Uh, he was signed to a futures contract after the season. I believe it was he, – he signed with the Rams, if I'm not mistaken, prior to the 2020 NFL season, but was cut in camp. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe he also outperformed their kicker, but the kicker they had was a draft pick. So, you know, you know how the politics in the NFL work. But uh, in 2019 with the Ticats, he connected on over 85% of his field goals. He had a punting average of 43, over 43 yards and was named an East Division All-Star. So – he he is clearly a very talented player, one that we gave a lot of guff to early on in his Ticats tenure, but obviously came around to him uh, by the end of it. Uh, I mean, East Division All-Star nod can't really uh, sneeze at that either. What do you think, Mike? Do you think this is the end of the road for his NFL dreams, and do you think he comes back to Canada and by extension to the Ticats, or do you think he's still young enough to try to make it down south? 
I mean, he's a kicker, so I'm sure he's still relatively young um, in the kicking game. But uh, I don't know. He's been he's had his chances in the NFL, and for whatever reason, you know, not that he's not good enough, but for whatever reason, he hasn't stuck stuck on a team in the NFL. So I'm I'm gonna say that he he comes back to the league to the CFL and um, you know signs with the Tie Cats because we need a kicker right now, and he's he's a Canadian kicker. He can do all three jobs, so. Uh, you might have to pay a little bit more than uh, than the regular kicker out there, but uh, or an American kicker. But I think I think eventually he will be back in the CFL and with the Tie Cats. Oh yeah, you're uh, you're paying a premium if you bring in a guy like that in. Yeah, I uh, I could I could see him trying to hang around. Like I remember Justin Medlock after his first stint with the Cats went down south, and I think I think actually think he also signed with the Panthers if I'm not mistaken. Uh, played there, played decently well, but then he was released and then kind of floated around looking for a job, and then ended up coming back. Uh, I don't know. I I could see him maybe giving it one more shot, and we're not even entirely sure there's going to be a CFL season in 2021. I think there will be. But we mm-hmm. don't know that for certain yet. There's been no we're gonna like everyone's saying we're gonna play, but there's been no definitive yes, this is when we start sort of thing. So I don't know. I mean, I could see him uh, trying to keep keep going down south, but uh, it wouldn't shock me if he came back to Hamilton and came back to the CFL. And I don't know. I I would hope the return would be with the Tie Cats, but I could see a lot of teams that maybe don't have as solid a kicking game as they would hope could also try to lure him. I mean, he played with the Argos. He's played with the Bombers. He's from, yeah. you know, St. Catharines, Niagara area. So, obviously, I think Southern Ontario, Cats, Argos are kind of where he'd want to be. I could see the Argos. I mean, they signed everybody else. Why wouldn't they go out and sign a sign an all-star kicker as well to just kind of set up their, their all-star team that they're trying to trying to acquire out there in, in T.O.? Yeah, I could see it too. I mean, I think they have Boris Beattie uh, right now, but... Uh... He's not as good as Lear. No, he's not. Uh, he's a, he's a pretty good kicker. Um, but it's funny we we forget like Liram was like really down in the dumps when he was in Winnipeg there for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah. That, that I remember he was excellent his first season and his second season he had the yips and it looked like he he was done and then he goes to the Argos and then comes to the Tie Cats and he tur- he really turned that around. Yeah, that's uh, that's a tough thing to do. I, I assume for professional athletes you know the talent's there it, it was probably just all in his head like you said the yips so that's a tough thing to do and he uh persevered through it and you know got a shot in the nfl so yeah i i, I hope he you know gets a job um down south and makes a ton of money but if not i'd uh i'd welcome him with open arms back to the tie cats i mean he did a great job for the most part i know we we wouldn't even you know call him by his name for a little bit there because of his his punts out of bounds and his his short field goal misses, but uh, he he turned it around in that last season with the Tie Cats, and you know he he just wouldn't miss from beyond forty five. So that's a that's a good thing to have um, when you can kick those long field goals and maybe you know kick a a game winning field goal from fifty yards. You you uh, endear yourself to the fans if you can do that. Well, yeah, that was it. It was he was automatic. If 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 the Tie Cats got across midfield, they were getting three points, and that's. Uh, that is, to me, worth a, a premium to pay at that position. So uh, hopefully he's back in Hamilton, but uh, if not, I wish him luck wherever he lands. And if he if he sticks in the NFL, that's that's even better for him. I, I, that's what, I, honestly, any player in the CFL, and we've said this, both of us, multiple times, if they try to make the NFL, I hope they do because I think it just makes the CFL look better, and I think these guys sets these guys up for financial stability a lot longer than it would if they were uh, veterans of the CFL. But, Mike... 
this is the story that just won't go away now. We have got to talk about the XFL. It feels like every couple of years there's there's one major story, whether it's expansion to Atlantic Canada or the Johnny Manziel stuff, that just hangs around like a bad funk. And this XFL stuff just is not going away anytime soon. Uh, we had The Rock sending out a tweet saying that they're going to figure out a smart season that will create phenomenal opportunities for players and be the best experience for fans. Dave Naylor, who along with Farhan Logie and Rod Peterson have kind of been the biggest advocates for a potential CFL XFL merger, wrote a piece for TSN that said without saying that it's basically the Argos and the Owls driving this bus. Mike, what do you make of all of this XFL stuff? And the last time we talked, we were, I don't know if we were negative about it. We were maybe indifferent. We're, I mean, we don't really know anything, so and we still really don't know anything, but we got a little bit more information. Based on The Rock's tweets, it sure seems like talking about talking is a lot further along than, than they'd have them believe. And does it surprise you at all that it's uh, Toronto and Montreal that are kind of at the forefront of making this thing happen? Uh, it, it doesn't surprise me that, especially uh, MLSC, is, is pushing this. Um the thing with them, they own the Argonauts, and it, like I'm not in Toronto. I don't know what they're doing with their marketing or whatever. And and then part of me tells me that it doesn't really matter what you market about the Argonauts. People are just going to look at it and go, Argonauts, CFL, you know, f that s, you know, f that shit, you know, it's it's garbage and blah blah blah. I just don't think like, if you put, you know, hundred foot high billboards of, uh, uh, you know, an Argonauts player that it's going to drive the audience to come and, and watch the game, you know. There's 8 million people or whatever in the GTA. They can't get, you know, 20,000 people out there. It's just ridiculous. Um, and I don't know that this, they think it might be this, you know, the the cure for the for the for Toronto fandom and the CFL, if the XFL and the CFL join forces, but I'm not sure that's the case. Um, I I'll, know, I'll, I'll, go you, I'll go you one further on that. I don't think it's the case. Okay. Why? Why do you you look at the the what Toronto's a big city? There's there's no denying that's one of the I think it's one of the five largest cities in North America. It is a massive city. It has big city appeal. Yes, the Blue Jays do well when they win. Yes, the Raptors do well when they win. TFC does well when they're good. The Leafs are you can't you have to completely discount the Leafs. They're going to do well no matter what they do. And that's just the way it's going to be. Hockey's king in this country, and that's just the way it's going to be. But those other teams, if they start dipping in success, they don't succeed financially as well as they do when they're really good. The Raptors won an NBA championship recently. The, the Jays uh, just a few years ago were a playoff team. Now they got a young up, up-and-coming team that people are excited about. And TFC, as much as we malign MLS, and we've obviously had our beast with them when it came to sharing the stadium with the Argos, they, they do fairly well. There's also a high immigrant population that's really into soccer, so they've tapped into that. But the other thing is those leagues, MLB, MLS, NBA, NHL, that's the top North American league. It might not be the top league in MLS's case of soccer in the world, but it's the top league in North America. An XFL-CFL thing wouldn't be the NFL. It's still not the top league. And Say what you want about the Rock's popularity or the Rock's star status. If it's if it, an NFL team went to Toronto, I think it's successful because mm-hmm. Toronto wants the big time. And I don't think an XFL-CFL merger 
even with an American audience and all of that stuff, is going to move the needle in Toronto because they're still going to look at it. Because it, let, let's say and this this happens and there's a full-on merger. These are still, quote-unquote, lesser players than what you see in the NFL. Now, we as fans of the CFL know that that's not the case, that a lot of these guys could probably play in the NFL and, and maybe not be superstars, but they would be really good players and contribute. But it's still not the top tier. Toronto wants the top tier. So, yeah, it's it's a shame that the Argos can't get 25,000 people to BMO a game. But that's not going to happen even if you have the Rock standing at midfield giving out speeches. Like, I just don't think that Toronto wants what is considered, and I, th- this is my belief of them, not what I think, they don't want second-tier sports. That's I, And I don't think that, that they're going to come out in droves if the XFL is part of the CFL or not. No, I don't think so. There might, you know, there'll be that initial push, you know, like of course. we saw. There'll be, there'll be a slight bump because it's like, because I imagine the rock will be at the very first XFL CFL Argos game and he'll get the crowd pumped up and people will pay to see. But come week four, game five, game seven, game 12, when all of a sudden the newness wears off, the, I think the crowds will dwindle to what they are now. Yeah, it'd be similar to what you you know you, you see a lot of this, um, you know how the CFL's social media got a huge boost from all this XFL stuff. I mean, of course, there's going to be like interest when it first comes out. It'd be it's like the XFL's ratings that or mm-hmm. you know, two thousand two thousand nineteen when they started. You know, they were great when they first started, but every single game after that declined. And they're down to like one point two or whatever it is, which, in relation to other sports, is still pretty good, but I believe if the season still went on and on, those numbers would probably continue to drop. Um, you know, it's been proven over and over and over again that spring football, no matter how crazy the States is is about football, just hasn't worked. And I don't see any proof to say that it'll work this time around. Um, you know, everyone thinks that this is, you know, the XFL is the big savior to the CFL. They have all this money, and they do have a lot of money like $4 billion or whatever it is, but that doesn't mean it's going to be successful in the States. And I'm not necessarily against the idea of, you know, merging and having more teams, but I'm just, I just, the more I think about it, the more I think it's not going to work. Yeah. I'm, I'm not against it either. And and I, I, I guess we'll get into this now. I had this laid out in a different way, but we'll get to it now. I'm not against it either. But the thing that I find myself pushing back on is the idea that guys like the things that Dave Naylor and Farhan Lalji and Rod Peterson keep insinuating is that this merger with the XFL is the only way forward for the mm-hmm. CFL to be viable. And my response to that is, where's the proof? Show me the proof that this is the only way forward. Because if it's if it comes down to Hamilton Tiger Cats or no Hamilton Tiger like Hamilton Tiger Cats XFL or Hamilton Tiger Cats don't exist, then yeah, I'll choose the XFL option. But show me where we are where it says this is the only way forward. We're told that the current business model is broken and that they, they can't do anything about it. Where's you, you keep telling me this, but you, you don't show me anything that says that this is the case. John Hodge, our buddy, uh, my colleague at three down kind of torpedoed the idea that the, the business model is irrevocably broken and says that basically if the business model is broken now, it has been for the last four decades. So if, if it doesn't work now, the way it is, and the only way forward is with a merger with the XFL, then show me the proof of that. Give me whatever concrete... I need evidence. When I was in university, and I, you would have to write papers, and, and I'm sure you did in high school as well, you write an essay, 
You have to, you can make opinions, but you have to back them up with facts. The opinion is the CFL needs the XFL to survive. Where are the facts to back that up? You can say they, they need more revenue. Okay, how much more revenue? Is it $100 million or is it $10 million? Because we hear CFL teams lose between 10 and $20 million a year uh, combined. Well, I have an idea that we're going to talk about later that I think can get upwards of 10 to $15 million in the CFL's coffers without them really investing all that much money. But we'll get to that in a second. Is it that much money or is it hundreds of millions? If it's hundreds of millions of dollars, show me where those losses are and I'll back this plan. I would rather there be four down Hamilton Tiger Cat football than no Hamilton Tiger Cat football. But until you show me that there is no other way to do this, no other way to make the CFL survive, then I'm going to remain skeptical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this notion that you know an XFL-CFL collaboration is going to get this massive TV deal in the States like right off the bat is just not true. Uh, the XFL didn't get anything. Yeah, they were, they had they had some good, you know, partners, you know. They were on multiple stations in the States, you know, big stations, NBC or whatever it was. Um, yeah, I think they were that, on ESPN and ABC, if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah, they, they had television partners, but they didn't make a dime off it. No, they didn't get paid anything. And, yes, they paid their production costs and everything, but that's, you know, if you're not getting paid anything, then what, what's the point? They have to prove that they can get ratings on a consistent basis, that there's going to be sponsorships that are interested because there's a lot of people watching. And that's not going to happen right off the bat. They're going to get nothing for their first TV contract. And then where does this revenue come from? You know, it's like they have to prove that they're a a product that people are interested in over a period of time. And then maybe they'll get a TV contract. Well, like you said. So this notion that it's just going to be bang, you know, hundred million dollars and even hundred million dollars that the number that was thrown out there by some sports marketing expert in the States, or I don't know where it came from, but that's nothing either. I mean, it sounds like a lot of money when you hear it, hundred million dollars, but split between 17, 18 teams, and, it's not and, much at all. And two league offices. Don't forget that. Like the CFL is right. going to exist. The XFL is going to exist. They're going to take a chunk of it. You said 18 teams. It's not all that much money. It's not much more than the CFL gets now. Because it's funny. I was actually talking about with with a friend of mine that I go to games with. And he's like, okay, an amalgamated league, we get a $100 million U.S. contract. Well, the CFL right now is a $50 million U.S. contract. It's half the size. And they make half the amount of money. So doesn't $100 million just only make sense? Yeah. I mean, and are are the Canadian teams going to get... Like, are, are the XFL teams going to get more money than the Canadian team? Because, because they drive be in, American fans don't care about Canadian teams. It, that's proven right. in every sport. Jays, so Raptors, hockey, Winnipeg, don't care. Right. Who's going to watch Winnipeg versus Saskatchewan in Bingo. the States? Like, you'd have to... Yeah, it, it, it just... The American viewers don't care. You see it um, in, you know, the NBA finals. Like, when the Raptors were in there, I think they, the ratings dropped. or yep. when the Blue I think they were their the lowest world. ratings in years. Yeah. So... I don't know, man. It's just like there's a lot of questions, obviously, and I don't think there's a big money, you know, rainbow at the end of the CFL XFL merger in the states. I just, I just don't see it right away. If that's the case, they have to be together for you know three or four years to prove that this is a product that people want. And the XFL hasn't lasted more than a season every time it's been out. So how do we know they're going to be around in two or three years? Like this is mm-hmm. this is the whole thing with me is there's just a lot of assumptions being made about everything here. And we talked about one of the ones, which is why do we believe or why are, are we being pushed to believe that this is the only option forward? 
The other one, and this may be the biggest one for me, the, and the one that I pushed back the most, and uh, XFL Twitter kind of took me to task for this, which, yes, believe it or not, is an actual thing. And to me, it's about The Rock being involved. And why is it guaranteed that because The Rock is involved in this, it's going to be this massive success? Like, why do people think that? I understand that The Rock is this super successful. He's the biggest movie star on the planet. He's he's everywhere. He's got, I believe, he's got a tequila company. Like, he he's a very successful man. But it's not like he hasn't failed before. He's had some movies, Doom, Rampage, Skyscraper, those tooth fairy. Like, he's had movies flop. He's got a TV show on right now, Young Rock. I watch it every week. I like the show. I think it's kind of fun. It, it, it tickles that nostalgia bone because there's a lot of old 80s wrestling involved in it, and that's something that I'm into. But the show's not doing very well, and there's a lot of people who think that it's going to be canceled after the first season. Like, this idea that The Rock is some, like, magician who spins gold out of everything he touches just isn't true. So... Like, I have this problem with people thinking that just because he's involved, it'll make the CFL or whatever a CFL-XFL merger is called cool in places like Toronto. Like, I just don't buy it. Like, I love The Rock. I'm a massive fan of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. But I don't think for a second that he is all of a sudden involved in this, and that means, oh, this thing's going to be a hit. I just, I don't buy that. And if, if, if that's the case, if that's the case that The Rock is involved and Toronto fans will be like, oh... Well, let's go to the Argos game then. Why don't they just pay Drake to be like, yeah, Argos are awesome, number one. And then boom, yeah. the stadium's filled. Like, or, get, or get the weekend. Like, it's MLSE owns the Argos. Go get go get the weekend who just performed at the halftime show to do a halftime act at an Argos game. Or like right. you said, get Drake. Or get a number of Canadian celebrities that promote. Like Drake promotes every other friggin' Toronto team that MLSE owns. Why couldn't he do it with the Argos? Like, it's not like he's not already essentially on their payroll. Like, he's courtside mm-hmm. at Raptors games, for crying out loud, when they play in Toronto, of course. You know, like, if it, all it takes is a celebrity for the Argos to be cool again, there's a number of ones that they could go and hire that right. means that we don't have to merge with the XFL. Mm-hmm. And, and this, you know, the XFL had some, you know, hotspots where there were people showing up for the games, like Seattle... Um, I think Houston did pretty good. Um, there was Houston. Houston was pretty good, though. If I'm not mistaken, weren't they undefeated when the league went under? Like they were a really they good were, team. They had PJ Walker, and he was a really he was good. Lighting it up. League, um, and then maybe there was another team that did really well. But it's not like you know every single team. With, like there were like probably the majority of the teams had not good uh, attendance. You know, you watch their games, and they're like, oh, there's nobody there. So this. There's this idea out there that the XFL would have been so successful if it wasn't for the pandemic. And I just don't think that's the case. Um, you know, year, every single couple years we see this, you know, spring football popping up. There's such a strong market for football. This is going to work this time. Every time. This is going to work this time. And it never does. So what is there to believe that, you know, a slightly bigger league with teams from Winnipeg and Saskatchewan and, you know, places that no one cares about is going to survive in the States this time. I don't think it, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure that it will. I think you hit the nose on the head when you said maybe the games with the American teams would do well, but what XFL CFL merger fan in the States is going to watch a Friday night game between Saskatchewan and Winnipeg. They're not, they don't care if this is all about Toronto. I get it. But if, if you're appeasing the, the Goliath that is 
Toronto at the expense of what is the heart of this league in places like Saskatchewan and Winnipeg and Hamilton. There's To me, there's no league to be here. If that's the case, then the XFL should just put a team in Toronto and go compete. CFL can, can do it on its own. XFL can compete yeah. with us and see, what, see how they do. Because I don't yeah. think... Because the XFL is... I, like I said, I don't think minor league sports or second-tier sports is going to cut it in the Toronto market. Tor- Toronto is a uh, Canada. It's a great hockey nation. How do the Toronto Marlies do with their attendance? Because they're not the Maple Leafs. People don't care. Care. No. They're hockey. I mean, they're, for the most part in Canada, and I've said this for a long time, and there's some hotspots that, that support junior hockey. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But mostly uh, we're an NHL nation. Of course. Okay? We're not going out in droves to see the junior A team play or the AHL team. Um, So, yeah, I agree with you on that. Yeah, they just don't care. And I don't think The Rock showing up to talk about, this is the XFL, if you smell what The Rock is cooking, is going to make a damn bit of difference. But that's not the only thing. We we still got so much meat on the bone here to pick. I kind of teased it a little earlier. There's been lots of talk about the CFL's business model being broken. And whether that's by a lot or a little, I think you and I and and everyone listening can agree that the CFL does need to find some new revenue streams. I think single-game sports betting, which you and I have talked about previously on the show, is one way I think the league will be able to increase revenues, whether it's by having uh, in-person betting at games or whether it's with a sponsorship deal, which the NFL just signed with a, with a betting company for, I think, $100 million in advertising. So I think the CFL could could increase revenues by, by partnering up with that once that becomes legal here. But I'm going to do a little self-promoting here, Mike. I don't do it a ton on the show, but I did have an idea that came to me last weekend, and I wrote a piece about it on 3Down, and essentially it was a CFL, or maybe more accurately put, a Canadian football streaming service. And the germ of the idea came from what Canada Soccer and the Canadian Premier League have done with their streaming service, One Soccer. It's their over-the-top streaming platform that basically covers and shows everything Canadian soccer. Uh, they carry One Soccer carries every single Canadian Premier League game, a lot of Canada's international matches. They just had the Olympic qualifying matches on there. They show the Canadian Championship game, which is between an MLS, usually between a pair of MLS sides, but this year will be between Hamilton's Forge FC and Toronto FC. They have a ton of exclusive content. There's a daily analysis show called One Soccer Today. And it's $70 a year for the service, which I think is a really reasonable reasonable price. I pay it. And if you break it down, it basically amounts to about $6 a month in in what you pay. And that's less than what you pay for Apple TV or Amazon Prime or Netflix or any of your other streaming services. $6 a month is, if that came off, if, if CFL teams said to you, we're, we're adding $6 a game or $6 or even if they said your, your ticket price are going up $70, but you get this in, in, in as well. You get a, a free pass this. I think people would sign up for that in, in a heartbeat. So I thought about this, and then when the idea came to me, my first question was, why doesn't the CFL have something like this? And then I imagined a world where a streaming service for, the, for Canadian football existed, and we had a, a nightly analysis show with pundits from around the country talking about everything going on in the CFL and in football in Canada in general. And then I uh, took that further and go, okay, well, CFL has this global initiative. And they partnered with all these leagues around the world. What if we showed their games on this platform? And I actually talked to uh, Santino Filoso, one of my colleagues at 3Down, who covers the Ottawa Red Blacks for us. He lives in Brazil. And I said, hey, how do you watch CFL games? And he told me that he pays $70 a year to be able to watch every single CFL game. And I go, hmm, $70 a year 
just for the and just for the games. And they're there for a year, and you can watch them as many times as you want, and that's great. And I go, okay, one soccer is seventy dollars a year, and they archive every single CPL game. What if this platform was a way for international fans to watch CFL games for that same seventy dollars a year? But then you get all these extras. You get the the analysis shows, and then I start thinking, what other extras could we have here? Okay, what about airing CJFL games? What about airing Football Canada games? And then it finally dawned on me what could be the thing that would push a lot of people to sign up for this, U-Sports. Fans complain about a lack of coverage for U-Sports football, and you create this platform, and it could be the exclusive home of U-Sports football in Canada. I don't know, Mike. I'm going to throw this to you. Uh, I'm kind of curious about your opinion. What do you think? Do you think this is a good idea? I think so. I mean, I'd buy it. Uh, I'd love to watch OU, OUA game or CI U um, Sports games. Or, uh, <laughs> or CG, I never really watched any, seen any CG CJFL games, so that would be um, great exposure for them. And like you said, you know the Finland League or the, you know the German League or whatever. If we could get those games on as well, and maybe TSN throws them a bone and gives them a CFL game a week. You know what? What? Um, if, what how about this? What if they didn't throw them a bone? What if? All the preseason games that CFL doesn't, that the TSN doesn't want to cover, they air on this platform. Because that, yeah. that's the thing. The, the thing that, that people brushed up against was, well, you're, you're going to get games on here, and then it's not going to be as accessible as, as CFL games would be on TSN. And I never said that. I, the one caveat I had about this and the one negative was they wouldn't air CFL games. Now, maybe you could have it where they would archive the games, and a week later you could watch them on this service. I, I don't know. Again, this is just an idea. I'm batting this thing around. But... Yeah, like what if all the preseason games are on here that that don't get coverage? And I, to me, it feel, felt like just a really good idea. I'm sorry, I'm, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I just, uh, you know, I had to make that point clear. People kept saying, "Well, what if they showed if they only showed CFL games on this, then they'll lose fans." That was never part of the package. Yeah, that's not part of it. But uh, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a good idea, and uh, you know, there's there's lots of content out there that you could grab. Um, and put on the network and like you said if there you know there's a lack of cfl panel shows you could have a bunch of those you could have potsky weeby on there you know you could have do a video show (laughs) dude i don't you don't laugh that off that was something i thought about what about all these fan podcasts out there they could you could do a round table with them it it could be a a you could have once a week like fan nation cfl fans talk about you know what i mean like there's Mm -hmm. so many ways that you like tsn does not have to be the only way you consume your cfl coverage there are so many people out there three down nation covers the cfl from every angle you have media members who aren't affiliated with tsn that could come on these shows you have fan podcast there i believe if i'm not mistaken there's a fan podcast if not two for each cfl team there's no reason why you can't reach out to these people and get them involved in something like this and the thing is what is one of the best resources the CFL has that they I don't think they utilize enough, and that is the fans. Fans of this league are passionate about this league. We do this for free, essentially, Mike. We, we don't get paid to do this podcast. We do it for the love of the league. You don't think if, if, if this thing existed and they reached out to me or you and said, hey, do you want to come on for a half-an-hour panel show? I'd do it in a heartbeat. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just... It's something like that that they need to look at. You know, look outside the box. Try to figure something out. Try to get some money in. And, you know, you do this. You do the, uh, you know, the gambling comes into the scene. And boom, you have some more revenue. 
and maybe we don't have to, you know, dive into this XFL, CFL stuff. Well, and the thing is, too, like, so the reaction I got to this was mostly positive. And I did some of the math on this, and I was wondering, okay, the CFL says, and I said this earlier, it says they lose between 10 and $20 million a year combined. What would be something that could, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that this thing would completely erase that, but if you got 150,000 subscribers, which I think is not an entirely unreasonable amount, you look at season ticket holders for each individual CFL team, I think you'd have nearly 100% adoption amongst season ticket holders for for, every, for all nine franchises. You'd, you'd get some scragglers who would, oh, okay, this 70 bucks, that's not that's not too bad. You'd have the fans who want to watch U-Sports games. You'd have international fans. I think you could piece together 150,000 subscribers fairly quickly. At $70 a year, that's $10.5 million in new revenue. If you're lucky to get to 200,000 subscribers, that's $14 million in new revenue. Average TV audiences for the CFL hover in the 450 to 500,000 range. I think you can get initially off the hop between 150,000 and 200,000 subscribers fairly easily without really breaking my. I mean, how many fans paid 350 to $400 for that silly Grey Cup fan base thing? Like at that price, that's five to six years worth of streaming service fees. Like if you had paid, let's, let's say you're a season ticket holder who paid $350 to get your name inscribed on a table, you're telling me that those same people wouldn't go $70 a year to, to watch, to get almost unlimited access to CFL and Canadian football coverage? I think they do it in a heartbeat. Right. I mean, and there's no question about that because they're the real CFL fans. So. Absolutely. They're the, yeah, of course. But you know what I mean? Like, if you if you put it in numbers like that, 200,000 subscribers gets you 14 million. The league loses between 10 and 20 million every year. I mean, add that, get a, get a, a $5 million uh, sponsorship fee from a, from a, a single game sports betting thing. You're at almost 20 million there. So mm-hmm. now you're covering things, and now now let's look at growing this. And once it works, you can grow it even further. Like, do you th- really think it's going to cost them a lot of money to buy the U Sports football package or to air CJF? Like, it's not. It's really not. So I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe because it was my idea that I, I'm just more bullish on this. But I I think this can really work. Yeah, they, I was just thinking about the production costs, and I don't know. They don't have to be like super professional. Like, they, you can go on. Uh, don't they have a website you can watch like every. Uh, Canadian college. Yeah, or yeah, and, and it, it's not great quality, but you know what? I'm okay. I watch them. If, I, if yeah. I'm not doing anything on a Saturday afternoon, and you know, you especially if you have T's playing, like I like I pay, so I buy one soccer, so I can essentially watch Forge games. Um, I would pay this to be able to watch every U of T game. Like I would, I, and I would watch a lot more U sports football if it was as easy to find as this is. And you you have an archive of being able to okay, I was at work on a Saturday afternoon, but I can go back and watch the game. It's not because it's not like those football scores are going to get spoiled by anyone on Twitter. I don't know. You want to grow the game. You have to grow the game at a grassroots level. You have to get young people involved. Young people stream. They don't buy cable packages. Maybe this, this, this isn't, and I'm not saying it's going to be like, this is the golden goose that will save the CFL, but it's an idea. It's something. It's like, it's it to me. It's if this could work, it's better than selling your soul and becoming a four down NFL feeders league. As far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing that scares me. I, I like. I'm not totally against the four down thing, but uh, I just don't want it to be NFL Junior. I don't want it to, you know, be. And I love the NFL. I think it's great. Uh, I watch it pretty much, you know, every game I can. 
Um, but you know, it's it's the CFL is different, and that's why I like it because there's a different option out there. There's a different product, and if it was just, you know, NFL rules, then uh, and I wouldn't be as excited. Yes, I'd watch if there's a Tiger Cat team, obviously, and I'd cheer them on, and it'd be great. But um, I just I, and I don't. I'm not. A, I love a lot of the rules, uh, the CFL rules. Um, but there's some I could get rid of too. Like I, I can make compromises, but I just don't want it to be a complete copy of the the game down south. It'll fail. I'm I'm a hundred percent certain it will fail. Like I said, Toronto is not going to go in for second tier professional sports. They had the Toronto Phantoms, right? Yep, that was a they did. Like. Yep, lasted one year. <laughs> lasted one year. Uh, no one cared. All right, uh, enough XFL talk. Let's move on to another thing that pissed a lot of people off and. That was, uh, I think, what, two weeks ago now, maybe? The CFL's plan to return to play for 2021 was leaked, quote-unquote. And the thing that everyone took away from it was the 20% pay cut for players in the event they play games without fans in the stands. To say this didn't go over well with players and fans might be an understatement, especially considering what we already know, that players took pay cuts on their contracts for 2021. Uh above this 20%, we saw Mike Riley take a pay cut. We know guys signed for lesser money. So when this came out, players were pissed, fans were pissed. Mike, how did you feel when you heard this for the first time? I was pretty pissed. You know, it's just like one thing after the other. It just makes the league look bad, you know. They just keep... Yeah, you know, this is my initial thoughts. They just keep taking and taking from the players. And, um, you know... These guys don't get paid that much in the first place. So, and then the especially the Americans, the guys that um, come up here, live for six months up in Canada, and then go back and have to pay taxes in both countries. I'm not sure how it works exactly, but you know, I've heard plenty of players like break down how much money they actually make after taxes and all that stuff. You know, with the and then changing their money to American. Um, it's tough. So for them to take more from the players, the product on the field, the reason that we watch this league, it just seemed like another slap in the face to the players association. And it just, it pissed me off because I'm just sick of seeing all this stuff, all this bad news, all this bad PR from the CFL. And they just seem to do it to themselves. So I was pretty pissed initially. Yeah, I believe I sent out a tweet that said, I hope the Players Association tells them to shove this up their ass. Uh, I stand by that comment. I think we already ask so much of the players, and they're the reason we watch the games. I don't go to games because of who owns the team or because who the general manager is. Yeah, I, I like those people, and I hope them that they're successful, but I go because of the product on the field. And we could talk about all the problems with the CFL that it has off the field, but the one thing where there is no issues is the quality of play on the field. The quality of play in 2019 was tremendous. Yes, there were bad teams that played poorly, but there were some great, great football games in 2019, and there will be great football games in 2021. But if you keep asking for more and more and more, like, there's only so much blood you can get from a stone. You know what I mean? Like you can't keep asking for all of this from the players while you like, yes. And I know afterwards it came out, Oh, you know, CFL front offices cut salaries by six, some $6 million or whatever the heck it was. But the players are the product. And at some point you're going to see guys. And maybe that's why Delvin bro retired. And maybe that's why CG Gable retired. And maybe that's why Adrian Tracy retired. And maybe that's why, 
Guys like we've seen a number of guys, Bryant Mitchell, who just signed a contract with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers two months later, retires. You're going to see guys, even upper echelon guys, not your Mike Riley's, your Bo Levi Mitchell's, because, you know, a 20% pay cut on a $500,000 contract isn't, is still a heck of a lot of money. But you might see some of these guys, like a Brandon Banks, like a Greg Ellingson, like these guys, and I'm not saying these guys are going to retire. I mean, Brandon Banks did tweet out that if if he takes more of a pay cut, he might not come back. But, I mean, Brandon Banks tweets a lot sometimes, and I don't know if you can take everything he says too seriously. He's a reactionary tweeter. He, he is. He's an emotional he, guy, but we know that as him as a player too, right? So fine, fine, but I, yeah, I just the things he says, uh, you know, take a little bit and let it simmer. And then yeah. that's how he feels in a, in, you know, a couple of weeks. Yeah. Take it with a grain of salt, essentially. But you keep asking these guys who aren't, yeah, Brandon Banks makes $180,000 a year and that's, oh, that's great money. But like you said, he's renting a place in Hamilton for six months. He's still paying for his home where he lives. He's got a family to support. Then he goes back across the border, has to take his Canadian money and turn it into American money, and he's paying an agent, and he's paying taxes in Canada and the U.S., yeah, that money evaporates pretty quickly. And and you're going to see guys who now have spent a year out of football building a brand outside of that. Delvin Bro's a perfect example. He's gotten into the cannabis business. With, the, with states across the U.S. legalizing marijuana, he's gotten into that. It's not a surprise to me that he decided, you know what? I can make probably just as much money selling this stuff as I can playing football. And I had a great career playing football, but I don't have to beat up my body anymore. And you're going to see guys who who are making above league minimum, but not making superstar quarterback money, decide to go, you know what? I'm, I'm okay with this. I spent a year at a football and didn't kill me. What's the rest of my life? You know what I mean? And eventually you're going to get to the point where especially with young players, young American players are going to come up here and play for league minimum. And then you're going to ask them to take 20% off the top of that. That's a, that's a tough thing to sell to guys. And I know there's always going to be guys out there who, who want to play professional football and they'll do whatever it takes, but eventually you're going to get diminishing returns. You're going to see superstars leave, replace them with guys that aren't as good and the product might suffer. And I just don't, the, like I said, the one area of this league that is, you cannot complain about is the product on the field. And if you start, We've already lost a year, and you start getting all these superstar players, for lack of a better word, saying it's not worth it to come back. It makes the game worse, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so too. There's already the perception of uh, you know second tier players, you know, not good enough for the NFL, and then you know you're going to get rid of those guys and replace them with lower tier players than that. I mean, it's just yeah, it's it's not a good idea, and I just I'm just sick of it, man. Like. I'm just sick of all the bad PR and all that stuff, and you know everyone blaming Ambrosi when it's and I, and I know you people are thinking, oh Mike, here we go again defending Ambrosi, and I'm not. Ambrosi is an idiot. He he's a terrible public speaker. Um, he makes the league look bad, but uh, it's the owners that are asking for these things. You Correct. Know? It's it's the owners. It's it's the Bob Young, the big nice Bob Young, who's that big. You know, he's such a friendly guy, but he's not. He's not. It's just a. And I apologize, but like it's just a show. He's not that nice. He's people who get that rich don't get rich by being nice. Okay, it's just shtick. And he's asking for the players who barely make, you know, you know. And to me and to other people, it's 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 a good living. But you're not going into work every day, you know, putting your body at risk. You know, you're risking your. You could break your neck. You could break your leg. You could break anything. You could, concussions, which could make you you know your your quality of life terrible later on in your um 
in your career or in your life. So it's just, it's totally different. And for these rich owners, like billionaire owners to ask them to take another pay cut, it just doesn't sit right with me. Breaks too far. It's a breaks too far. And the thing too is if I go to work and break my leg, I get workers compensation and I get, I know there's going to be a paycheck for me as long as I'm out. That's not always the case with CFL players. I believe they've extended it now to three years of health coverage, but I'm not worried about getting a career debilitating injury at work. But if I do, there's long-term disability. There's, there's protections for me if I get hurt at work. If I go into work and something dangerous happens and I go, I'm not dealing with this anymore, I can walk away and go get a job basically making the same amount of money somewhere else. Football players can't do that. A football player sees a, sees a teammate get a concussion or, or break their neck or something, and it's like they know how scary it is. They, it's not like they can go, well, I'm done with the CFL. I'm going to go play in, at a, I'm gonna go work at another football league. and make the same. It doesn't work that way. These guys are putting their lives on the line and their, their bodies on the line for these games. And, okay, maybe lives on the line was a little, little too much, but they put their bodies on the line for this game. And to ask them to just keep, giving back giving back giving back at some point guys are just going to say it's not worth it and they're going to walk away and that to me is going to make the game worse and i don't i don't want that we're, we're already kind of at this precipice of is this league even going to survive and if it does survive will it survive in a form that we are used to and now we're talking about potentially taking money out of guys pockets and then losing those guys in the field i don't know it just it it didn't sit right with me it doesn't sit right with me then. Doesn't sit right with me now. I just, I just don't like. I don't like the look of it. It just feels wrong to me. And people said, "Well, NBA players took took pay cuts to to play." And it's like, well, yeah, it's easy if you're Chris Paul making forty million dollars a year. You tell me, oh, I'm, I'm making forty million dollars a year. You say you got to take a ten percent pay cut. I'm okay with that because I'm still making thirty six million dollars. You tell a guy who's making sixty five thousand dollars, oh, you're taking twenty percent off the top of that. All of a sudden, they go, uh, "This is not worth it for me anymore. I can make just as as much money." As this staying home and working at a grocery store in my local community and I don't have to kill myself to to, to do that so I don't know it just it's to me it, it it looks bad it feels bad and it just it just rubbed me the wrong way however there is one positive to take about this Mike the CFL has a return to play plan for crying out loud we didn't hear this at all last year and now we're, we're at least they have something so if, again I don't like to end the show on a negative so let's end it on a positive at least there looks to be a working plan to get the CFL back on the field in 2021. I don't want it to be this plan, but at least there's a plan. That's at least a step in the right direction. Yeah. And another thing with that is like, they say they're going to get topped up when they can have fans in the stands, but like, are they going to have fans in the stands this year? Like there might be limited capacity, but like, are they talking about like full, like, you know, what's everyone's back? Yes, exactly. Like they, they just, there needs to be more details out there about this actual twenty percent and getting the money back if there's you know fans in the stands again. But, uh, but yeah, you're right. There, you know, the, a plan is is nice to see. Um, and we were talking about it earlier before we recorded. Maybe this is just a, you know, PR stunt to make the the league look better when the when the, when the players say, no, we're not going to do that, and then they just go, okay, well then we'll just start in August or September when we can get fans in the stands. So. Um, yeah, it's good to see something going on, but, uh, the 20% cut, it doesn't sit right with me. And, uh, I just, I just want them to get back on the field and play ball for what they signed for. You know, they already took the cuts, give them the money they signed the contract for. 
I also think that as soon as we get an idea of the CFL's back, we're playing football in 2021, this is a start date. Once we get there, I think all this crap we've been talking about, pay cuts, lesser contracts, retirements, the XFL, it all goes away. Once we talk about actual games, training camps, stuff like that, we're talking about the actual product in the field, we don't have to worry about all this crap that's going on behind the scenes. We can just enjoy the reason we love this game, the reason you and I record a podcast, and that is Canadian football being back. I think we're going to get it in 2021. I hope we're going to get it in 2021. And then we can stop talking about all this extraneous garbage and just focus on what we're here to focus on, and that's the product on the field. Yep, talking some uh, Tiger Cats football, some some Tiger Cat wins, you know, if it's a uh... 10 or 12 game season and i fully expect this team to win you know nine or or 10 games i'm not going to go with my regular 99 prediction because i just think this team is too good to throw out that prediction and uh i'm I'm really looking forward to watching them get back on the back on the field because we basically brought back uh the 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 team that went to the championship game in 2019 i think there's a a lot of potential to uh to get back there and to maybe even win it so yeah, I just I just want to start talking some football on the field as well. Where did this positive not a not five hundred season? Who is? Did, were you replaced by a replicant since we last talked? What's going on here? I think, so. I think they the aliens came down and uh, you know are using my body now to <laughs> get around the Earth, and uh, it's a positive alien. So yeah, I'm not going to go with my regular ninety nine, and uh, you know it was kind of shtick anyways. I didn't really think uh, it would be ninety nine in two thousand nineteen, but. Uh, it's just kind of funny to throw it out there, you know. It's weird. So you know, uh, yeah, you know, this is positive positivity, Mike, especially with the Tie Cats on the field. That's that's good to hear, and and hopefully we will sooner rather than later find out that we're going to be returning to the field, and we'll have some actual football content to talk about, and we can stop talking about the Rock and the XFL and all this other stuff that has kind of dominated our discussions over the last eighteen to twenty months, and we'll get back to talking actual football. So that was Podski Weeby for this week. I am Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw. Eat them raw.